Well, this is the third of the Perspective New Members classes, and today, well, let me just remind you, I guess, first of all, of, of where we are, uh, the dates and the times. For those of you who are going through the process, uh, we've completed the first two dates, uh, October 1st and October 8th, um, and today, of course, is the 15th. There will be another class during this time on the 22nd, next Lord's Day. But then this Saturday coming up is uh, a, a few hours together as we consider various subjects. Here's what we've been covering. I guess if you'd put it in these broad categories, we've covered church membership, the biblical basis for that. What does that mean? What are we referring to when we talk about church membership? Last week, church discipline um, and what that means in the church. And now today, church ministry, what are we to do together? How do we mutually edify one another and build up the body of Christ here? Next, Lord's Day will be church leadership and talking about uh, some things regarding church leadership. But the focus on Saturday will be church doctrine, what we believe. And we give several hours to that. Um, and so that will be Saturday. Let me remind you, if you're a member of Grace Fellowship Church, but you would like to attend on that Saturday, you're welcome to come. Uh, just let me know. I need to know so we can plan appropriately for those who will be here. Um, and then also we'll have refreshments and, uh, and breaks. And so we need to know the number. That would be helpful. But you're welcome to come. Just let me know if you uh, are planning to come and you are not a prospective church member, but already a church member. And so that's been sort of our, our plan. And we're in the middle of our topics here this morning talking about church ministry. So what is the goal of ministry in the church? How does a church make disciples and grow spiritually? Well, I'm going to seek to just briefly, again, answer that question this morning. But before I do that from the scriptures, let me talk about uh, what are some, what you might call wrong models of quote-unquote ministry. Um, there's many that we could identify. Some of them are uh, related to other wrong models of ministry. And so some churches really incorporate a number of these kind of philosophies of ministry or, or a focus of ministry. But let me just point them out. I think it's helpful sometimes to uh, talk about what is not our focus, what is not our model for ministry, and then positively to say from the scriptures, here is our focus. So here is one wrong model of ministry. It is what you might call the numerical growth church. The numerical growth church. And this is a church that focuses primarily on numerical growth. That's the focus. How large can we be? How many people can we attract? How many people can we get in a particular location? Or now the model is uh, we really want to have multiple campuses. It, it, the focus is on numbers. And while we obviously desire to see those who are being saved added to our numbers and those who are like-minded believers coming and joining with us, our focus is not numerical growth. The problem with this model of ministry is attendance is not simply the goal, is not the goal of ministry. The proper question to ask is not how many people are attending, although obviously for logistical reasons, we want to know how many people are here, but we're not asking as a model for ministry how many people were there, but instead, what is the spiritual condition of the people who are there? 
So the problem with this model of ministry is that it focuses on the quantity of persons attending, not the spiritual condition of those who are attending. So again, we want to grow numerically. We want to see more and more people come to faith in Christ, being discipled, and together as a local church glorifying God. But that is not our focus. For when that's the focus, you tend to ask, how can we attract people? And the truth is not the focus. The gospel is not the focus. It's often what do people want and let's give them what they want so that we can retain them and have them come. So that's one wrong model of ministry, the numerical growth church. In fact, if I can just say this, before I came here, not the church that ordained me, but after I was ordained, I went to a church that seemed to be like-minded. I was an associate pastor for evangelism and discipleship. And the focus when I got there from the so-called senior pastor was how many people can we get on this hill? It was set up on a hill, the building, and how many people can we get here? And so questions that were asked in staff meetings is what do we need to do to attract those people? And the goal was often said, I want a thousand people in this facility, on this hill, you know, every Lord's Day, every Sunday. And my focus was discipleship, but how do we disciple these people? Are they believers? Do they know the gospel? And, and that was one of the reasons why I landed here <laughs> in a church planning situation. It didn't take too long to realize that that numerical focus was not the biblical focus. As John MacArthur has said before, I've heard it many years ago and it's stuck with me. He says, my concern is to be with the depth of my ministry and I let God be concerned about the breadth of my ministry. Uh, that's not an exact quote, but that's the gist of what he said. And I think that's exactly right. As a church, we need to be concerned with the biblical depth, making sure we are uh, scriptural in our ministry, in our teaching, in our doctrine, um, and then leave the numbers, so to speak, the breadth of that ministry up to God. Another wrong model of ministry is what you might call the location and facilities church. And this, this approach really depends on the facilities, the building to fill the church. Now, uh, this isn't quite as prominent as it used to be. But when I was in seminary taking a uh, class on church growth, uh, one of the classes, and maybe several, were, were about your facility, your location. And if you're going to grow the church... You need to have a prominent location, a particular kind of facility that's going to attract people. And the focus was on attracting people uh, through your facility. And so that's why sometimes you see the focus on the facility itself um, and trying to get the, the prime location um, in order to attract people. The problem with this approach is that it depends on the facilities, the location to fill the church and grant success in ministry. And while it's obvious that the location can, quote-unquote, attract people, the issue, again, isn't the facility, but what happens in that place. Is God worshipped? Is the gospel proclaimed? Is there biblical ministry taking place? And so we have a very humble facility, you might say, but praise God for it. He has provided for us in this place, and we want to be good stewards of this place He has given to us, and we want to make sure that what happens 
at this place is honoring to the Lord. Another role model of ministry is what you might call the felt needs church. And this focuses primarily on meeting the so-called felt needs of the people. And the problem with this is it tends to neglect instruction in the Word, or at least uh, true instruction in the Word of God. The Bible is used as a kind of feel-good book. The focus is on relationships to meet my social needs. Uh, the so-called ministries tend to be more man-centered. And again, some of these are, are mixed together in various churches, where again, the focus is on the numbers. So, so what we do is we survey the community. I mean, this is what began back in the days of the Crystal Cathedral and Robert Schuller, Bill Hybels, um, and the seeker-sensitive movement. Uh, the philosophy began to be, we're going to send a survey out to the community. What do they want in a church? And then we build a church based on what they believe their felt needs are. Of course, uh, the problem with that is the church exists too, to use the phrase, scratch me where I itch. But God has defined what the church is. God has defined what we're to do. It's not the felt needs of the people. It's the real needs of the people as defined by God in his word. Here's another wrong model of ministry. And again, they're, they're often together. The performance and entertainment church. And this is a focus that says the style of the music and the service or the so-called worship is what will attract the people. And the service becomes entertainment with performance, performers uh, for the audience to enjoy rather than worship to God with servants of God pointing people to the majesty and glory of God. And so those who lead in the gathered assembly of God's people are those who can perform and entertain, not necessarily those who are godly. Some years ago, I... Uh, was made aware of a church in the area. It was somewhat new itself, and it's a church plant. And I was looking online, and it had various testimonies of people who uh, came to that church. And, and one was the testimony of a drummer in their church. And he began to say how he explained how he came to that church. He came to that church because they put out uh, a need for a drummer. And so he was a drummer, but not a believer. So he applied, and his, his ability to, be a, um, to perform in that way was suitable to them, and so he began to be a part of their worship service as an unbeliever. But then he said, well, then I heard the word, and I was converted and became a believer. Is that to be our approach to evangelism? See, one thing you'll notice at Grace Fellowship Church, the elders are involved in our corporate worship because it's not about who can sing the best, it's about who understands worship and can lead us in worship. And elders, of course, in shepherding of souls should take a prominent uh, part in that corporate worship of the people of God. And then, of course, you know our focus is not uh, just people singing and, and standing before you that we're entertained by, but our focus is on the gathering of God's people to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that is not to say, and you've seen in this church, there are times there are those who have sung uh, alone in order to somehow minister uh, the truth in that way. There are some psalms, there are some songs, there are hymns that are uh, not really congregational in the, 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 the meter, the style, the music. And sometimes uh, it's not to say someone can't sing um, 
a solo in that regard. But we're talking about the focus here being on a contemporary worship style, a band, uh, you know, those kinds of things to attract people. And it becomes more performance in worship and entertainment than worship. And so again, it depends on the style of the worship to attract people. Let me get a little closer to home. Another wrong model of ministry is the hearing-only church. I call it the hearing-only church. And this focuses on hearing without doing, attending without serving. Now, this gets a little closer to home because we emphasize the importance of your presence. We're to gather and assemble together. That's what the local church does for various purposes. But if we're not careful, we can just think that our attendance is the goal. And by simply hearing the word, then we grow spiritually. Hearing is necessary, but it's not what makes us grow simply hearing, but also doing the word. And so our focus isn't, please understand as pastors, just to have you attend. Of course you have to attend. It's like if you're going to get a degree in college, you have to attend class. You have to uh, be there. Uh, But the goal isn't just to attend. The goal is to learn, to hear, so that you might not just acquire a degree in college, but that you might acquire the skills. So, So our focus on attendance is not an end in itself. It's attendance for the purpose that we might hear and receive and believe and then apply and do the Word of God. That we might attend, that we might encourage one another and strengthen one another. So it is not our goal just to have a church full on Sunday morning. You've heard me say this before. We're, let me put it this way. We had just a couple weeks ago 165 people, as it was counted, in 175-ish six chairs or so. Two weeks ago. But then that evening, 50% of that to come and pray. That's not what we want as pastors. We don't want just people to come and think, oh, I'm a Sunday morning attender. No, we want you to then come and intercede for the body here and pray and, and be uh, encouraging one another in that way. And so we, we have a dilemma. If I can just speak of that. We have a dilemma that on Sunday morning, we may have a lack of space, but not when we pray together or come to the table of the Lord together on the Lord's Day evening. We don't want a hearing-only church. We want a church that's fully functioning as God intended, where there's mutual ministry in the body, where we're putting those things into practice, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Another wrong model of ministry is what you might call the pastor-centered church. This depends on a pastor to attract and minister to the people in the church. It focuses around one personality primarily. Uh, Need I mention some of those in our area? And then there are some good solid churches, though, that tend to focus on the one pastor. This is so-and-so's church. We have to be very careful when we say that we're identifying. But the church is not a man, a pastor. um, And it's certainly not to be even pastor-centered in the sense of more than one pastor. Uh, We don't want a church built around one man or even multiple men and their abilities. Um, In that case, then the pastor or a pastor, or even if there are multiple pastors, are the ones who 
who are doing the work of ministry. And people tend to, to be more passive in that sense. And that's not what we desire either. Um, and so we don't want people to just rely on one man or even a group of men to attract people and minister to them. No, what we want to be is a disciple-making church. The goal is the spiritual growth of believers and the whole church as we all follow Jesus, becoming mature disciples, in order that we together might honor our God and Savior, that we together might use our spiritual gifts, that we together might minister to one another and together proclaim the gospel. So Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. And that is the focus. Proclaiming the gospel, people believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then grow to mature followers of Christ. They're baptized. I'm a follower of Christ. And they confess and profess the gospel. And they, in that baptism, um, signified certain gospel truths. They say, I'm a follower of the one true living God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then there is this spiritual maturity that takes place, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a mathetes is the Greek word, a learner, a pupil, an apprentice is what that word meant at the time. A disciple is someone who learns from another. Jesus said, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. We want to be like the teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. John said in 1 John 2 verse 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. We want to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to grow mature disciples of Christ, that we might be a mature church, a mature body of believers. Now, how does this kind of spiritual growth happen in a local church? Well, let me have you turn to a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And again, these are just brief overviews of these things. I can't get into all the detail of these things in one session together. However, I have preached through the book of Ephesians, and so you can find that online and listen to more specifics regarding these things where I take more time to walk through them. But let me just point your attention to Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. This is one passage that speaks to how this spiritual growth takes place in the body of Christ. Now notice as I read these verses, the different analogies that are used. Uh, analogies of growth, the growth of the body, and it's speaking of spiritual growth and the building up of this building, so to speak. Again, the various analogies that are mixed together. But the focus again is on maturity, spiritual maturity. So it says in Ephesians 4 verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, 
tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects in the Him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, this is a passage that speaks to the universal church, but practically speaking, this is what takes place when we assemble together in local assemblies. This is what is to take place and be applied in the visible church, gathered, assembled with one another, identified as the people of God. And so you'll notice, I'll just point out two particular things that are necessary, two necessary ingredients. There must be equipping pastors and ministering believers. Now again, this isn't a full exposition of the passage, so I'm not dealing with apostles, prophets, evangelists right now. I'm just dealing primarily with these pastors and teachers, or as some interpret it as one office, uh, one person here, not meaning one pastor in each church, but just talking about, or it does say plural, pastor teachers. It could be hyphenated here, that the role of the pastor is primarily a ministry of the word. So it could be not pastors and teachers separately, but pastor teachers. Um, one person who does Uh, who teaches. So I'm not speaking clearly here, so let me make sure I I clarify. I'm not, uh, I don't mean to say that there's one in each congregation, um, but I'm speaking here of how pastors are teachers, and so that might refer to the same office. But you'll notice what they do. There's a progression here um, in these two verses, verses 11 and 12. Jesus gives gifts to men. He calls them to service. Those men then equip the saints. Those saints who are equipped then minister. They're equipped for the work of ministry. And as a result, the church is built up. So there's a progression here that's happening in verses 11 and 12. He gives, let's just focus for a moment on pastors and teachers. He gives them for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints, and as the saints are equipped, what are they equipped for? For the work of ministry. So it's not just pastors doing the work of ministry. It's the saints being equipped so they can do the work of service or ministry. And then they are, then as a result, the body is built up. And so there's a progression that takes place in these verses. A wrong understanding of this is that pastors equip the saints. Pastors do the work of ministry, pastors build up the body, and pastors do all this until verse 13. We all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Some see all these phrases going back to the offices in verse 11. Instead of a progression, they see it all going back to in this way, that God gives pastor teachers For the equipping of the saints, God gives pastor teachers for the work of service. He gives pastors and teachers for the building up of the body of Christ. And then that's how we attain unity and we grow to spiritual maturity. But that's an incorrect view. No, we are to equip. And the grammatical structure here is that there's a progression. 
He gives these offices. They equip the saints. The saints do the work of ministry. And then the body is built up and we attain the unity of the faith. So, there must be equipping leadership. There must be the ministry of the word. How do we equip the body of Christ? Well, that is primarily through the preaching and teaching of the word of God. We are those who are to give our attention as pastors to the ministry of the word and to prayer. And so when you look in scripture, there are really two categories of gifts. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, uh, it says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it. Put it to work in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, God has given you a spiritual gift or gifts. You're to be a good steward of it. It's not meant to be put on the shelf. It's meant to be used. So employ it in serving one another. Peter, an apostle, is speaking to the whole church, to all believers. And then he says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So he here separates in those gifts into speaking gifts and serving gifts. Some speak, some serve. Again, it's not to be a hard and fast line. It doesn't mean that those who speak aren't serving. Um, It doesn't mean that if you have a serving gift that you never speak and use your words to encourage and build up the body. But we see here what I think are two broad categories of gifts. Those who speak, those who serve, speaking gifts, serving gifts. And in this speaking, in the speaking gifts, what you find is central is speaking the utterances of God. So it's a ministry of the word. So here we see the importance and the centrality of the ministry of the word. How we equip is by speaking, teaching, and you see it in that Ephesians 4 verse 11 passage where they're pastors and teachers or pastor teachers. That ours is a ministry of preaching the word, of proclaiming the truth, of a pastor must be apt to teach. He must be one who holds fast the faithful word, Titus 1.9, which is in accordance with the teaching so that he may be able to exhort both in sound doctrine, and refute those who contradict. So it's primarily a ministry of the Word. And so we teach the Word. We preach the Word. We do so publicly. We do so in various Bible studies. And we equip others that then might have a ministry of teaching as well. We have some who are teaching our children now. We have some uh, Titus 2 teachers who've been equipped And they are teaching other women. And as we develop covenant groups for men, discipleship groups, where that happens too. And we have uh, men's prayer, for example, in which more recently there have been some other men in the church, other pastors who've been teaching in that context as well. But the point is, is that there is this teaching of the word of God that builds up the body, that equips the saints. Now, the word equip means to be trained or prepared for a particular purpose. Believers are equipped by the Word of God. We want to equip you so that then you can do the work of ministry. The diakonos, the word that's used there, diakonos, diakonia, the the word group has to do with service. It's used formally of deacons, 
But we're all servants, ministers in that sense. And so the, the ministry of the word is to equip the saints that they then might do the work of service this is just as it is described in Ephesians 4 verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Again, there is an office of deacon. But here we're talking about not serving in that sense, but using our spiritual gifts to build up the whole. No one person or even group of people among the believers have all the gifts in order to build up the body. We all are equipped and all parts of the body must be ministering for the building up of the church. And so a question I ask when I preach on this is, are you equipable? Are you equipable? Do you avail yourself to the ministry of the word? Do you do more than just hear the word? Are you just growing in knowledge or are you hearing and then doing and putting it into practice? Are you growing to spiritual maturity? And are you seeking to build others up? How can I serve in this congregation? So we equip the saints. The saints then do the work of ministry. We all together are joining in. And what happens is the body is then built up. This is how we grow to spiritual maturity. And so Paul uses, he's combining building and growing. The the picture of a building that's being built up. And then the body, our, our physical bodies, how it their joints and different parts, and as they all do the parts, the parts in the body, then it's for the good and the, the growth of the whole. What is the result? As, as leadership equips the saints through the ministry of the word, and these believers then are equipped and do the work of service, the body of Christ is built up. What does that look like? Well, there's doctrinal unity. Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. There's, there's unity. Now we'll talk about this in the new member class on Saturday. The, the unity of the faith. The content of doctrine. What God has given to us in the scriptures. As this happens, it's not just the public ministry of the word, but then practical ministry as well. The body begins to grow and there's unity of the faith. We attain to that. And as a result, he goes on to say, that we grow to spiritual maturity. It becomes a mature man to the measure, the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. We, as a church, are looking more and more like Christ, not just as individual believers, but together. And as a result, he says, we're no longer to be children. Again, the focus is growing to spiritual maturity in verse 14. And when we grow to spiritual maturity, we're not easily led astray. We're not like children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We're not naive. We're not susceptible to false teaching and the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. No, we we are doctrinally sound believers, not just in knowledge, but in practice, putting that together. And therefore, this church is not easily led astray from the faith. And so we speak the truth in love. Verse 15, here we have now everyone joining in, not necessarily with a speaking gift, but, but now speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects in the hymn. We're encouraging one another. We're strengthening one another. 
in the body of Christ. And every individual part, verse 16, I'm just summarizing, does its proper part. And it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is what a disciple-making church looks like. It has equipping pastors, but also ministering believers. So we want to equip you to do the work of ministry. Now, let me, I just scribbled down, probably in the last two to three years, maybe three years, I didn't go back and just think about specifically the dates, but somewhere in that range, here are some things that have been specifically taught on from the Word of God to help us to grow. Doctrines like this, here in our discipleship groups, the, the attributes of God, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrines of grace. I preached on that uh, within the last, I guess, couple of years, two and a half years, soteriology. There's Luther and the Reformation, understanding justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. These are current discipleship groups. A consideration of the Lord's table, assurance of faith, assurance of salvation, feelings and faith, understanding the relationship of the two and how we are to live our lives. In the past, heavenly mindedness, biblical parenting, a Bible study on marriage, wise and biblical decision making, biblical peacemaking and conflict resolution. Uh, I taught on in, in this hour, spiritual growth, the means of grace, how you read, study, hear, meditate, memorize the word for your spiritual growth. There's been teaching during this hour on the mortification of sin, sanctification. I preached on sexual purity. I've taught on anger and self-control. Uh, during our corporate prayer time, Christian zeal. Then there's more recently teaching during this time on Job and the book of Proverbs and God's word to the churches in Revelation uh, 2 and 3. Even delving into subjects like CRT, the dangers that are out there and that mindset that's been taught on more recently. Uh, how not to return evil for evil, but good for evil, Pastor Sean taught on in Romans chapter 12. There are Titus 2 groups going on in which their uh, women are teaching other women how to be a Titus 2 woman. They've studied the war of words, how to use our words to honor God. During men's prayer, Pastor Sean has taught on biblical friendship. And now the subject of pride and humility is being covered. These are just subjects over the last two to three years that have been addressed. In addition to the exposition of God's Word in Hebrews and the book of Philippians and a call for men to be godly. So you, you think about all those subjects that are being covered just in the last two to three years. What's the purpose? So we can just add it to sermon audios so we can say, I preached and taught through that or we have knowledge of these things. You can even see the practical nature of some of these subjects directly. Parenting and marriage and decision-making and faith and feelings and assurance of faith. But even in the doctrinal focus, of course, they have practical implications. The attributes of God, knowing God and living in light of who He is. So all of these things are to equip you to help you grow to spiritual maturity and to equip you not just to know these things, but then to teach them as well, to disciple other believers and to counsel other believers. Not too long ago, I took upon subjects to say, here's how you counsel and disciple others who have 
committed sexual sin or dealing with anger or people pleasing. And, and so, again, just looking myself and wanting to evaluate how are we instructing people, equipping people that they might walk with Christ and grow to spiritual maturity and minister to one another. Uh, it encourages my soul to think the things that I have heard and received from the teaching and ministry of the Word from other, others in this congregation. So let me just get briefly to a little bit of what that looks like practically. And this might look familiar to some of you. Um, this is my best uh, attempt at, at trying to put this on PowerPoint. Um, uh, another way to look at it is, is concentric circles, with corporate worship being the larger concentric circle, but then a smaller circle uh, that would have things like men's prayer and smaller groups, but then even smaller groups in a smaller concentric circle. Um, that would be another way of looking at it. Uh, but think of how this happens. Well, there's corporate worship together in which the body is built up and equipped and the Word of God is taught and central. Um, and so we gather, and that is for the purpose of worshiping God, but also building up the body of Christ, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And then from there, there are, think of it as smaller groups or smaller concentric circles. I didn't put that imagery up here, but... But then there's 9 o'clock Bible study in Sunday school, where then we address certain subjects. There's men's and women's prayer and Bible study, where now we're getting in smaller groups, discipleship groups that meet and change every, say, six to eight months with different topics to equip you, to help you to grow to spiritual maturity. Um, then from there, you have even smaller groups, and this is just some of the examples, Titus 2 groups, the covenant groups that, again, are in development for for men, and then other types of personal discipleship accountability uh, groups that, that take place. And so you, you think of it as larger group where the word is taught and the word is central. Part of the purpose of that is to equip you for the work of ministry, to help you to grow to spiritual maturity and the church to grow to spiritual maturity. But then that takes place in even smaller groups until you get into even some of these that are more like three to four people in a group. Now, what we seek to do is facilitate this kind of discipleship. Now, this isn't the sum total of discipleship. There's a lot of discipleship that happens in the body of Christ that we don't formally have a quote-unquote ministry with a name on it. So there's formal and informal, but we do want to create ministries and avenues to facilitate this kind of disciple-making church. And so... Think of how that happens in our church. The Word is central in all of this. Yes, we can gather together on the 4th of July and, and uh, we can have recreation and just enjoy being together. But that's a time in which also we can encourage one another and we fellowship together by means of strengthening one another. But, but that's not a formal type of discipleship ministry, but it takes place during that time. It should as well as we encourage one another and strengthen one another. But these are the kind of ministries we have in which we try to build up the body, equip the saints through the ministry of the Word in various contexts. So let me share with you, and, and this is what I'll do, by the way, on that Saturday. Um, God willing, I'll give you a handout for those of you who are in that class of ministries at Grace Fellowship Church. So you know in a handout... Here's, here's some of the, the ministries that are there. So if you join Grace Fellowship Church, 
we desire for you to be involved in these ministries. There's an adult Sunday school. There's children's Sunday school, discipleship groups, men's ministry that takes place, men's prayer and Bible study, women's ministry team that, that seeks to facilitate um, discipleship among women. There's women's prayer and Bible study, Titus 2 groups, uh, vacation Bible school. These are all discipleship kind of ministries, but there's also service ministries. There's a building and grounds team. There are care coordinators who, when there's a need for meals or if someone's had a surgery or an illness, these care coordinators step in and, and they aid in, in ministering practically. There are those who clean the building. I mean, this is a service ministry so that we come. There's orderliness. <laughs> you should see it after Sunday. Is not orderly. Um, and there's a need for us to come together to a facility that's orderly, um, that's clean, <laughs> and that's ministry. There's fellowship mill set up and cleaning. There are greeters and ushers, and they serve a purpose in getting to know visitors, helping them uh, be, know where they're supposed to be, where the nursery is. There are those who oversee kitchen supplies. There are nursery workers, a security team, sermon audio and audiovisual equipment setup team. There's uh, uh, those who serve through the prelude. There are outreach ministries like to the Help uh, Pregnancy Center that takes place, a Bible study that just started uh, for reaching out to those who are seeking assistance through that uh, pregnancy center, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Um, there's uh, areas that some of these have shut down. We hope we can even see this open again. Our, our ongoing ministry we had to Carrington Place, it's changed the name now, Nursing Home. Um, now you have to be vaccinated still as a group to go in, but we conducted worship services and there have been prison ministry teams. Now during COVID, that prison went to a female-only prison, so that changed the makeup. There were men who were going there. Um, so we're, we're looking to then go from just making disciples to outreach and missions. And, and so these are things that as well we, we're to do together for the propagation of the gospel, for the proclamation of the gospel together. So this is kind of just an overview of that. How do we make disciples? That is our goal. Our desire is to see you grow to a mature believer, but not only that, to see us together to grow to spiritual maturity. And as I've been here in this church for 26 years, here's what I can say. I've grown in these 26 years in various ways. God is bringing me more and more to spiritual maturity, but also this body of believers. You see a church grow to more spiritual maturity to the measure, the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. We want to be a disciple-making church. We're not just trying to get people through the doors and into this place. We want to care for your souls. We want to equip you. And we want us all together as the church of Jesus Christ to minister together, to be a mature body of believers to the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's the goal. We grow up into him who is the head, the head of the church might be honored and glorified. So again, this is just kind of overview, big picture of what we're seeking to do. So let's pray that we would grow to these things. And as we add to our numbers, not just say, now we have this many attending. No, we're adding to our numbers saints who do the work of ministry, who serve in the body of Christ using their spiritual gifts to build up 
the whole. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your wisdom and how the church grows. And Lord, as we just briefly look at one passage, we see your manifold wisdom in the church, even in the analogies that are used, as we are a building being built up, a building, a temple of the Holy Spirit, as we see in other places in Scripture, where your glory is revealed, where Christ is exalted, where uh, spiritual worship takes place, spiritual sacrifices. Lord, where we together as the one people of God gather in local assemblies that we might worship you together and that we might follow you and help one another grow to mature disciples, teaching one another how to obey all that you have commanded. Lord, we pray that that we would be faithful as pastors in equipping the saints and teaching the Word of God, the Word of God being central, for it is that which equips us. It is that which instructs and reproves and corrects and trains us in righteousness. So Lord, may the Word be central in all that we do so that we would know the, 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 what the Lord has commanded, what Christ has commanded. But Lord, not just hearers, but doers of the Word. So that what we confess would be what we live. That, Lord, we would more and more not see a discrepancy of truth in our lives, but more and more a consistency of what you revealed in Scripture and how we live. So that, Lord, we would be witnesses not only by what we proclaim, but, Lord, our lives would match the message And in this way, glorify you in the world until you come. God, help us to do this together as a body of believers at Grace Fellowship Church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.